message is a continuation from our previous program. Give it to you, but you've got to let him. You've got to open up for that. Remember I told you I upset someone when I was in social services. I really hurt one of my colleagues and I was ashamed of myself. I was sitting in my office, my head down, and this person was walking around and I'd asked for forgiveness and they said, that's okay, no problem, just forget it. But I couldn't get over myself. I couldn't forgive myself. And as the day went on, that gracious individual came and tapped me on the shoulder when my head was down and said, Michael, it doesn't do to dwell on things. I was free. And my head went from being down to being up. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He is your redeemer and the lifter of your head. And too many believers, we know he's our redeemer, but there's more to it than that. He wants to free you from the weight of things that weigh you down, things you shouldn't be carrying. He wants us to be at home within ourselves, to truly love ourselves. So first of all, spend time basking in the unconditional love of God. Secondly, don't define yourself by your past. Has anybody here not got a past? <laughs> We've all got a past, every single person, including Paul. And Paul the Apostle said this, this one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind, I'm going to press on towards the goal. I'm not going to be defined. I'm not going to be, you know, figured out by my past or identified by my past. Now, what was Paul's past? Murder. Murdering Christians. Even Stephen. Where it says in the book of Acts that Paul held the coats whilst they stoned Stephen, whose face took on the appearance of an angel. Oh, Paul had a past all right. And Paul knew better though. He said, I will not be defined by that. I'll never become who I'm supposed to be. If I keep looking back, I can't let my past define me. I'll never love myself. And so it is with you. Take a lesson from Paul. Don't let your past stop you. You know the problem with people is their past is in front of them. That's the problem. Instead of being behind they're pushing it forward, always remembering. And there's certain things about that you need to let go of. So take good advice from the Apostle Paul. Third, so first spend time with God and you can start to soak in his unconditional love. Secondly, don't define yourself by your past. And thirdly, and very importantly, learn to forgive yourself as well as others. I think we can cope with forgiving others by and large. But it's ourselves that's the problem. Look. Have you ever done something wrong? You've sinned and you've said this to yourself. Oh, I could kick myself. Right? Many times, yes. <laughs> you know, I could slap myself. I could punch myself. You could, yeah. You're right. Absolutely right. And you know what that is? That's justice. It's the justice that is in you. You're made in God's image. And so you've got love, right? You've got love inside you. It's not the only thing you've got. You also have justice within you. A cry for justice. If somebody blew up a building or something in Glasgow, lost and saved, the whole city would say, we want justice, right? We want something done. We want that guy arrested. We want him to go to court. The city would cry for justice. But listen, hey, what do you do if you do something wrong? 
You know what you do? The very same thing in your heart. You say, God, judge me. I deserve it. I've sinned, God, and I deserve you to sort me out. Come on. But all you get is grace until you figure it out and until you accept the unconditional love of God, until you accept his forgiveness. And he says, I don't want you to beat yourself up. Anyway, there's nothing you can do to take your sin away. That's why Christ had to come. Jesus came and took your sin on a cross. And we need to learn to forgive ourselves. Guilt is a terrible thing. A terrible, terrible thing. So much that Christ had to go to the cross to deal with it. You know, there's two types of guilt. There's real guilt and false guilt. There's what they call pseudo-guilt, pretendy guilt. And there's real biblical guilt. And you've got to figure out which one is trying to get you. You see, real guilt, when you commit a sin or you do something wrong, God convicts you and you think, oh no. Real guilt is comparatively easy to deal with. Because all we have to do is repent, turn to God and say, God, I am sorry for what I have done. And we truly repent and the guilt is gone, like it says in Hebrews. It's gone. Praise the Lord for being a New Testament believer. Real guilt leaves you with no remorse. It leaves you with no feelings, no memory. It's all gone. The blood of Jesus has washed your mind clean, cleansed your conscience, and you're free. That's easy to deal with. This is not. False guilt is very difficult. You know, there's some things God does and some things you have to do. Well, God does the biblical guilt bit. You have to do the pseudo guilt bit, I'm afraid. You have to learn to forgive yourself. And you have to learn the difference between these things. Remember when we did the conscience, for instance. Your conscience can be a source of false guilt. Because it's broken. Your conscience is not God. It's broken. It's part of the fallen nature. And it can accuse you for things you haven't done. You'll never love yourself if you live under that weight. Right? Let me tell you something about false guilt, for instance, in terms of the conscience. A few years ago, I was in Belfast. I was visiting my mum. And it was ice, solid ice and snow. And I was leaving in very early in the morning, like six o'clock. It was very dark outside. And I came out and uh, the, the car was frozen. And I went back in and got some water and stuff and, and cleaned the windscreen a little bit. But I couldn't see out the back windscreen. So I said, OK, I'll see you later. You know, bye bye. I'm off. My mum's like 87 or something. And I go out in the dark and I start the engine. I'm just about to pull off. And praise God, I checked the rear view mirror. And there's a little hand with a tea towel trying to get the eye. I was just about to reverse over my own mother. It was that Another guy did reverse over her. Well, I don't know what's she doing, you know? I said, don't get in. Don't stand behind cars, mom. You know, many a guy, you hear about it, you read about it in the paper. He goes out into his driveway, starts the car, reverses out and doesn't know his son or his daughter's behind it, right? And you read about it again and again. And then that person can spend the rest of their lives tortured by what? God? No! By false guilt. It was an accident. Do you know the reason why the word accident exists? Because there are accidents. That's why. It's an accident. You didn't mean it. It's not your fault. 
But the devil plays so many games with false guilt. God has forgiven you. But he wants you to, 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 to live under weights and pressure that God is not putting upon you. It's false guilt. Either a broken conscience or your parents. Your parents can, you know, heap loads of stuff on you that God doesn't do. You'd be very careful of that. And of course, the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. So he works double shifts to try and get you on that, right? And then you've got others. There's no end of other people who want to put guilt on you, right? Especially if you're trying to help them. <laughs> That's what I find anyway. The more you try to help people, the more they try and dump guilt on you, you know? It's crazy. I had one, one woman, she had a major problem with control. She was losing her marriage because of it. She was trying to control everybody and everything around her. And I knew this. I could see the damage being done. I prayed to God. I said, God, what do I do with this woman? And God told me to wait very clearly. Wait, and I will tell you when to deal with her. You try and deal with her now, you'll destroy her. She can't take it. I waited two years. Two years. And God can speak when he wants to speak. And I got a word from God. Go deal with her right now. I sat down with that woman. I said, you know, you've got a problem in your life. You want to control your husband? Your marriage is falling apart? You want to control everybody? You want to control me? You've got a problem and you need to deal with it. And I thought the meeting went well. <laughs> Wrong. A few hours go by and we're at home having our dinner, you know, and the phone rings and it's her. She said, I'm going to kill myself because of you. I'm going to kill myself. You've ruined my life. I think, oh, what did I do? I'm trying to help you, aren't I? No, you've ruined my life. That's it. <clears throat> And we're having our dinner. Jeanette says, what are you going to do? I'm going to finish my dinner, thanks. <laughs> well, aren't you going to go down there? Well, why should I go down there? She said she's going to kill her. She's no more going to kill herself. She's trying to control me. It's an old habit. She can't get out of it. Everything is controlled by whatever means I can find. And at this moment, she happens to think if she tells me she's going to kill herself, that that will get me going. No, it won't. That's false guilt. You're trying to make me feel guilty. To shift it off yourself. To shift the focus. And we don't play those games. Now, people will always do that. Especially those you try to help. Right? They try and put blame on you. Shift blame to you. People come into churches. You see, we try to help them. They go outside and start bad. Man, oh, don't go there. They do this. <laughs> Just because we tried to help. So be careful of others. Be careful of your own conscience. Analyze your own background and your parents, your family. Oops. <laughs> Don't know what she's doing up there. Oops. Sorry, too far forward. Spend time with God and soak in the unforgivable love of God. Don't define yourself by your past or by your mistakes because God doesn't. Forgive others and forgive yourself for everything and learn the difference between true guilt and false guilt. And fourthly, Accept the fact that no one is perfect. You need to accept yourself, body, soul, and spirit. You need to accept your body, the one God gave you, that one, with all its imperfections. You need to accept your soul, that's your abilities and your inabilities, the things you wish you could do and you can't do. And you need to accept your spirit, your disposition. And you need to learn to be comfortable within yourself. Remember this lady? The Scottish people will hear anyway. 
This is Michelle McManus, very famous here in Scotland and indeed in some cases around the world for what happened. She began to, to sing. She entered a song contest called Pop Idol, which everybody knows, right? And she, she entered it. She's 17 stone. She weighs, at the time she was, 17 stone in weight. And she puts herself forward for a Pop Idol contest. Well, that was it. Everybody starts phoning in and ringing in and writing in. And what did they say? A 17 stone girl can't be a pop idol. It's not right. That shouldn't be. And I just love the way she dealt with it. Why not? And she said very clearly, I don't want to be 17 stone. I'm going to try and lose weight. But I'm perfectly happy with myself. Thank you. Just because I'm 17 stone, I'm still going to sing. No matter what you think of me. She won the competition. Praise God. And her attitude, I thought, was absolutely excellent. Right throughout that whole thing. She held herself together and she lost a lot of weight. But you can't let people put you down because you're too fat, too thin, because of whatever your physical attributes are. The world will drive you crazy over this stuff, man. We live in the right survival of the thinnest type society. <laughs> this... This whole thing, that's actually a little pencil sketch I did at Jeanette the day we got married. Only <laughs> joke. Um, we live in a size zero society. Do you know what size zero is? Size zero is an American size. It's the UK size four. European size 30. And about 10 years ago, the fashion designers wanted to make more money. And they saw a way of doing it. So what they did is they started to produce the latest clothing and get very slim, very, 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 very slim, like zero, zero, zero models to, 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 to show them off and put them in cosmopolitan and everything else. But guess what? Those clothes were only available in certain sizes. So if you were a 12 or a 13, or you had no chance, you're not, you can't have it. You see? And it became a sort of a zero culture, size zero. And that's a wicked thing. Because you see, do you understand what's happening? A girl who's a size 12 goes to the shop. She wants that dress, but it's not available. What's she going to do? She stops eating. And she starts, you know, starving herself to get thinner and thinner and thinner. This got such an issue that the governments got involved around the world in 2006 in the Madrid Fashion Festival made it illegal for zero zeros. It was illegal. There was the, 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 the catwalk models were not allowed to be below a certain body mass. Praise God. Well done. And other countries I know are getting on board with that. But you cannot let society pressurize you like this. Look, hey, please. You know when you're young, very young, you think that looks matter. You do, don't you? You look in the mirror and you think, am I... Am I good looking enough? It was never a problem I had. <laughs> you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, am I good looking enough? Right? Let me tell you something. Looks don't matter. They don't matter. And you ask, I asked Pearl, did you marry Jeff because of his looks? Maybe I shouldn't ask that. I don't know. <laughs> but do you know what? I can answer it for him. They don't love each other because of the way they look. And we don't love each other because of the way we look. Don't be fooled. 
you're on the wrong road. If that's your thinking, you're completely and utterly wrong. True? Those of you who are married, those who are older, you'll know that it's an absolute lie. It's a fake. It's false. Beauty is skin deep. Anyway, nature has a little trick it plays. With, with, with those who, who are very good looking very often, they can look extremely ugly, right? <laughs> if they're not behaving themselves. Correct? It's a little trick of nature. And you've got to watch that. Looks are exactly what they say. Skin deep. So you don't need to do all this stuff. Don't play to their tune. Don't follow Vogue or whatever or Cosmopolitan. You don't have to starve yourself. You know, lead a healthy life. Amen. But don't follow this stuff. This is rubbish. I mean, the, the world of showbiz is under massive pressure. You know, Whitney Houston. She had this from she was born, born and bred, you know, to be someone famous. But she learned, she's had a topsy-turvy life, but she learned through her life that I can't live to please everybody. I can't live my life to please others. I've got to learn to love myself. Or I'm finished. Like so many others, she could have killed herself. And so she expressed it in a song she sang. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I did what I believed. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest love of all, what did Jesus say? What is the greatest commandment? The greatest love of all is happening to me. I've found the greatest love of all inside of me. It's easy to achieve. It's learning to love yourself. It's the greatest love of all. And somehow think those words are not easily learned. But they come through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that you have to experience. Well, you don't have to, but people experience rejection. They realize they've leaned their ladder against the wrong wall. They realize the shallowness of beauty or looks. They realize that it's all a waste of time. And that what they should have done, instead of seeking the approval of others and giving their lives for that, What's this for? It's for others. It's for others so that they would look at you in that dress. Right? It's for others. And the person needs to go right back. Hey, see what she's saying? I've got to learn to love myself just the way I am, unconditionally, and not be taken up with the world and the flow. The pressure out there, I know it's immense, but don't be sucked into it. So accept that no one is perfect. Give yourself permission to fail. And this is a huge one, guys. I, I must say, I, I, nothing has impressed me more in, in my years in ministry than this point. I'm shocked at the number of people who are not bold, who don't, you know, press on out there. People are very, very easily put off, frightened of failure all the time, and don't do anything because of it. It's crazy. We limit ourselves so much. Many of you take yourselves far too seriously. You take yourself too seriously. You need to relax a little bit, make a few mistakes and laugh at it. We had a huge event in Ireland. Something like 27 churches came together. And the, the, the opening thing, the whole crowd went silent. And these were mixed churches. So the atmosphere was quite tense because nobody knew each other. And the worship leader came out on the platform. And I remember the moment. It was a key moment. He went up. To begin, and this was the first word spoken. And as he went up and took his guitar, his guitar went, eh. he went to the mic and the mic went, eh. and the whole place, no one knew what to do. And then it just stopped. There was a moment of silence and all eyes were on him. Do you know what he did? 
His name was Peter Trainer. He leaned into the microphone and he said, good job I don't take myself too seriously, isn't it? <laughs> and everybody laughed. And I, I remember that moment because he was so confident in himself that the exteriors really didn't matter. If he didn't have that confidence, that moment could have crushed. Oh, that's just me, isn't it? Always got it wrong. You need to learn to make a few mistakes. Not make a few mistakes, you know, cope with it. <laughs> to get over it and not to let people put you down because of it. Do you know, we've got six full-time pastors in this church. But one of them, we get more complaints about than any other. One of them, people have, have left the church because of him. And I'm not going to point him out. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> One of them <laughs> gives us more grief than any other. <laughs> Jeff here, as you know, Jeff is a street preacher. And he goes down there and he gets up on the ladder and he racks his brain, racks his mind week on week to try and think of ways of reaching the lost. Now you get up on the ladder down there and you go for it. Do you know what? Sometimes he fails. Sometimes he gets it very wrong. And other times he doesn't. The times he gets it wrong, have you got any idea of the number of complaints he gets? Have you any idea? You don't, believe me. There's more complaints from people saying, oh, and I didn't like this. Oh, and I didn't like that. Oh, and I don't like this. If for one moment he let that affect him, he wouldn't even be here. You wouldn't bother getting up. You have to learn to feel. We meet together, just the two of us, and we talk it through, and we go through the complaints. <laughs> Someone said this, is that true? I think there's a little bit of truth in there, but the most of it's rubbish. Next, someone said this, mm, that's all rubbish. Somebody said that, now that's true. I think we really missed that one, right? And what, what, what are we doing? We're learning to fail. Learning to fail but not give in. The greatest failure is not, it's stopping. And I've said to, to him face to face many times, I tell you what, Jeff, when these things come in, do you know what we'll do? We'll take them. Look at them. We'll accept the right bits. We'll dump the rest. But I tell you this, the one thing we won't do is stop. We will not stop. Complaints or no complaints, if you stop, you really are a failure. You really are a failure. You've lost it. You've given into it. You've got to learn to fail and accept that. I remember one guy came to Liverpool when we were there to preach and it was excellent. I can't remember a word he said. <laughs> but it was on failure. And he, it, I remember I was, I was raptured by it because he ended up dancing around the front of the church singing, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. And he accepted it. Accepted all his shortcomings. Accepted everything about himself. And took himself to the place where he had joy and freedom from having to live up to some false standard. God accepts you unconditionally. All the anger, all the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. Exhausted. It is finished. For your sin, past, present, future, all the wrath of God. So when you sin, you don't look up forward, you look back. All of the judgment, all of the anger, all of that was poured out on him. It's a done deal. It's a past event. And I thank God for the cross because there is my forgiveness. I don't have to punish myself. 
He's done that for you. So learn to fail. Point six, embrace humility, not self-loathing. Self-loathing is a very different thing. Someone who loves himself has learned to say, I'm blessed, but not be arrogant or proud in doing so. I'm blessed because of God. God has blessed me. Somebody who loves themselves can agree with the scripture that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But if you don't love yourself, then the stuff you will say is not God-pleasing. Oh, what am I? I'm nothing. I never was anything. I'll never amount to anything. Do you know what that is? Slander. That is slandering yourself and slandering God. The God who says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's slandering him. And we need to change our minds. Change your attitude today to yourself. Back to the beginning. What did Paul say? He's looking at marriages. He's looking at husbands and wives. And he can see, ah, I see the problem here. They're sucking the life out of each other. This man doesn't have love for himself. She doesn't have love for himself. They're unable and they're pulling each other apart. He says, I'll tell you what, let me give you some advice. You want a happy marriage? Learn to love yourself. Learn to stand on your own two feet. Learn to love yourself. And then when you both come together, you can be an addition, a bonus to each other and not drain each other of strength and of energy. And lastly, when you do this, it means that you can become everything that God has made you to be and that God has planned you to be. The promises of God for you can be yes and amen. Because you're growing into the person that God made you to be. You can fulfill that. I don't know if there's anything better in life than that. Amen. Once you've learned to love yourself. If you love yourself, you can love others. Simple as that. You don't love yourself, you're so messed up, you've got nothing to give. If you love yourself, you can compliment others. Do you know why people don't compliment others? Because they feel it will take from themselves. They think they're losing something. When I say to you, that's a nice dress, that's a nice hat, that's whatever. That's, the, that's what it is. We think we're losing something. We're so impoverished. You see? Loving yourself helps you to love others, helps you to give compliment, compliments, and it will give you confidence in just everyday life. You say, do you know what? I'm going to go for that job. I wasn't going to go for it, but why not? Why not me? I'm going to do that college course. I'm going to further myself. I'm going to better myself. Why not? Why not do it? Why not me? Jesus died for me, didn't he? I am special. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hey, all of that, the devil wants the opposite. He wants the absolute opposite. He wants to put you down, think negatively about yourself, and whatever you do, remember, hate yourself. God says no. No, no, no. Love yourself as I have loved you. Learn to love yourself like I do. Soak in my unconditional love. Praise God. Thank you for watching today's program. I hope you have been blessed and edified by what you've seen and heard. Folks, you can see how important it is for the teaching of God's Word to get out to the nations. I want to invite you to do something very significant for your life, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. You can go to our website there where you'll find a way in which you can join up with us and partner with us to take these essential teachings, 
essential truths out to the nations of the world. Thank you for watching and God bless you.